All right, good people. It's the second World Cup of 2022, and we're here in Fort William for the pre-race show, thanks to support by Max's Tyres. Maxxis is synonymous with performance and racing and has won more than any other brand in the history of World Cup and EWS racing. No matter where or how you ride, Maxxis has the tyres for you with a wide range of tread patterns, casing and compound options. I personally ran the Asagai 2.5 Max Grip with their new XO Plus casing for my enduro race this past weekend and I was blown away by the amount of grip that it offered in the deep, dry loam. Paired up with the DHR Double Down Max Terror on the back, it was an incredible combo. Having support from Maxis means that I can be at some of the rounds in person to sit with the awesome Chris Kilmurray, Nika Malali, and Elliot Jackson to bring you the best and most in-depth racing coverage possible. Maxis are also going to be giving away some awesome stuff throughout the season. And for this round, you've got a chance to win some very special Minion 20th Anniversary Socks and Gloves. All you need to do is to share the episode in some way on Instagram and make sure that you tag me at Downtime Podcast and at Maxis Bike in the story so we can pick a winner. You can check out the entire range of Maxxis tyres over at maxis.com and find the tyres at your local Maxxis dealer. You can also give them a follow on Instagram where they're at Maxxis Bike. If you'd like to get even more invested in the race season, then I've created a fantasy DH league for downtime listeners over on Pinkbike. It's free to join and there'll be some downtime podcast merch and hopefully some kit from Nico and Elliot for the winner at the end of the season. Head over to pinkbike.com, click on Fantasy DH in the menu bar and create your team. Once you have it, click Join League and you'll find us near the top of that list. There's no password required, so it's super easy to do and it'd be awesome to see you there. Massive respect to Will224, whose current team of Amory, Finn, Antoine Roj, Taylor Vernon, Miriam and Agnes Deleste is currently in top spot after the first round in Lords with 723 points. I'm way back in 523rd place. So join the league now and show me what you've got. All right, I'm here in Fort William and we're going to be sitting down with coach to the stars, Chris Kilmurray, to talk all things Fort William World Cup ahead of racing this weekend. Chris Kilmurray, Fort William, in-person, pre-race show. First one ever. How's things? I'm good, just man, yourself? Yeah, very good. Thank you for the coffee. That's uh, that's getting me going Mm -hmm. for the day after a night in the van. Fresh from Uganda. Finest beans I could find for you. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. It's good stuff. We're, we're obviously going to get stuck into everything Fort William, but I guess before we do that, we've not spoken since Lord. So just give us, I guess, your thoughts, highlights from uh, from Lords. What what did you see? What impressed you? What went on? I think the guts of 40,000 fans working their way down the hill on race day was pretty impressive. It was the first kind of, not no, not the first real race post-COVID, in terms of fans, we've had quite a few like snowshoe and stuff last year was was normal, normal, but it definitely felt like a clean slate, fresh start to some pretty intense, interesting race. And like the women's racing was was tight, it was interesting. Yeah, there's lots of stories, lots of ups, lots of downs, lots of riders strong in different sections, and then the men's racing was just, you know, just world class sport basically. So that was that was what shone out. I, I managed to watch because obviously I do warm ups and, and that sort of thing at the top of the hill with the riders I work with. And I managed to get down to one of the final sections, like the last, the beginning of the last sector, basically, because mm-hmm. um, it's got a combo line, which a lot of people were, you know, not decided on even by race day. So I managed to watch the top, the last five guys there in finals. And it was just, you could see <laughs> the aggression was like, I think a lot of people would be surprised at how hard you can push a bicycle if you want to. Yeah. And it's like just the, the, the forces going through tires and wheels and frames in this little G out compression. I was just like, wow. 
And I see it all day, every day, in I was week say, in, week out. Yeah, like and I was still like, this is impressive, you know. So The, the level felt like it had stepped up over the winter, right? Yeah, By quite sure. a bit. Like, yeah. The intensity yeah. at the high end in both the men's and the women's was just... Yeah, the intensity is probably the best word for it, like start to finish. There's no pacing. There's no... It was just go from start line to finish line. Yeah. It was, yeah, phenomenal. Incredible stuff. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Cammy's run seemed pretty ominous like it's uh, not an easy place to win she she made that look relatively easy yeah from, she, from the outside anyway yeah. she definitely rode to her strengths top, top to bottom yeah you know and, and she's as she's progressing because she's still learning and progressing and as she's progressing she's you know diminishing her weaknesses little by little yeah. week by week step by step race by race so she's becoming just more and more dangerous so it's cool and you can definitely see this you know a couple of the sections where it's at its roughest where the g outs were biggest where you know, you're coming through some rocks, G out onto the road off, all that, so all those sorts of sections where historically she would have been like strong, but not the strongest. She's just right up there now. Yeah. It's cool. It's good to see. It's good to see. It's just amazing to have another top lady in the field that can win a race. It's just cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Good to see Finn getting a good start to the season. Someone who's been kind of threatening for a good few years in the elite category yeah. now after a very successful junior campaign just maturity i think it looks like now finally just genuine just experience yeah just you can't sometimes you can't push the learning any faster than it's going to go it'll only go as fast as it goes for multiple reasons and he's it's just coming to fruition now so unfortunately it, he did hit his head i've seen uh, okay. recently a few weeks ago in training at home uh-huh. and um he's not ridden since okay so i'm not sure i i I've heard he plans to ride here, so just fingers crossed, hoping that he's healthy and, and it works out for him because obviously, as we know, you don't know with a concussion. So, nice. But he's been smart. He's not he's not ridden since from what I saw. Um, so fingers, fingers crossed. crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed because he, he's obviously, you know, uh, second at the first World Cup on form physically, technically, tactically. The bike works. Yeah. Him and the mechanic, you know, have finally figured out their system to, to dial the bike in race by race and it looks like physically he's, he's pretty on point. So yeah. it's a shame if if we lose, well, shame if we're already losing guys before we even get to the second race of the season, you True. know, so. Yeah, and he podiumed here last time out, so. Yep. Yeah, podiumed here last time out with a very P4, uh, with some very sloppy sec- sectors. Okay. In, in comparison to to the top riders, like in comparison to Benar. Yeah. And, and Amory, who were kind of, Amory, who was well ahead of everyone else. Yeah. Who didn't have any weak, weak spots, top to bottom, hence why his margin was so big. Uh-huh. You know, one of the biggest winning margins in the last five, six seasons. Yeah. Maybe the biggest winning margin in the last five seasons was Amory here, 20, 2019. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. And Amory, I mean, He's, he's back, right? That yeah. that result, that performance, and his performance, he kind of hinted at, at in Tariqa, I think, the level of commitment he was riding with there, but yeah. that was insane. That's that's Amory Leger kind of 2019 that's, again, eh? That's better. I yeah. think it's better. He's matured as well because everyone, not that anyone forgets, but he is relatively young. He's he's a little bit younger than Bruni. He's a little uh-huh. bit younger than, than a lot of the riders he's he's racing against, you know, who are battling for the podium. Um, And it was... I think an even more mature performance than than some of his other wins. So it's it's ominous for everyone else. And the bike is more more versatile. Yeah. Now that bike is definitely way more versatile than the previous versions of that Commensal Supreme. So it's ominous. It is it's indeed. Ominous. Yeah. But I don't know how you know you win the first race. You're on the form of your life. You have maybe he's had a real good last six weeks between the races. We don't know. And you're coming here as the guy who won the last time out with 
the biggest winning margin of a World Cup in five years at this venue, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know if that's positive. I don't know if that's pressure. I don't know if he's even thought about it. Yeah, it depends how you use that, I guess. Yeah. I think, well, I think at that level, there's, there's those... There's eight riders, maybe, if you, if you go through statistically the last couple of years, there's probably eight riders who are genuinely just podium capable yeah. every time, yeah. every time they race. And he's he's definitely one of them. So it's it's not a matter of like crumbling under the pressure. I don't think, I don't think it's actually a factor. Yeah. I think it's just whether you execute, whether um, a guy like Amory executes well enough that he's winning or he's P5. That's kind of what you're kind of looking at really, you know? Interesting. So. And what about riders that, maybe didn't perform to where they'd want to be. Like Tebow was clearly up there, but had that, that crash. So he's lacking a result that he probably would have liked from the first round. Anyone else do you think kind of maybe underperformed a little bit that, that will want to. I know Reese wasn't happy with his race run. P7. It's, it's a good start to the season. It's a solid start start (laughs) to the season when you're, when you're at the sharp end like that. And it took him a while uh, to build up to that sort of pace throughout the week in Lord, whereas other riders were kind of there from the get go, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of classic of it's it's part of Reese's process anyway. Um, but the run itself had a couple of sloppy sections and and one big mistake, and you know we kind of worked out that that big mistake probably cost him a podium easily. Yeah, so he was definitely less than he was happy, totally happy with it by the end, but definitely there was way more in the tank type thing if, okay. if the mistakes weren't there. Yeah. So there's probably a lot of riders in that boat as well. Probably a lot of riders in the, in that boat. And you got a guy like Benoit Coulange as well had like, you know, an amazing run. And he, he's been there so consistently the last, the last few races that you kind of just like, oh, he's one of those guys now. But actually that was only his, his second or third podium ever. There's actually not that many times he's been on the podium. So he'll yeah. be looking here for a, a big result, I think. And this yeah, is the yeah. kind of track that definitely suits his, his physicality and his style, his yeah. work ethic, maybe. I was going to say, it seems to be a track. I might be wrong in saying this. I'm just trying to pl- plug through history, but like, it seems to suit bigger, rangier riders quite often. There's a lot of ri- like big riders that do well. Mm. Here. Yeah. But like, well, you said it before we started recording is momentum. Yeah. You know, it's, it's potentially like mass by velocity type thing is actually a pretty, it's a pretty key factor here. Yeah. I think just having the mass to carry you. I think being round is super important here. Mm-hmm. at the top section so the first section has you know has your sprinting has your tucking has your arcing those very flat disgusting corners that aren't really fun to ride yeah. you get to the border rocks you get off the border rocks and then you hit all the rocks and you're trying to basically just carry that smooth flow the whole way down to the deer, the deer gate and beyond so mm-hmm. if you know like that's for anyone who doesn't really know the track that's like two minutes and 20 seconds probably if you're going world world-class pace yeah it's it's two minutes anyway at least of just riding so it's already a track in a lot in a lot of people's heads and I think being smooth, being round, carrying your speed and not having huge spikes in acceleration and deceleration mm-hmm. is, is pretty critical to a good, a good top kind of two sectors and being massive, <laughs> being big and being heavy. I think it just leads you to that style anyway, Yeah, yeah. because naturally you'll feel, I think you'll feel the, so your, your own proprioception and vestibular system and the whole lot, everything that tells you how fast you're going through time and space yeah. will be very in tune with the fact that actually you weigh 95 kilos yeah and wow that was a big deceleration wow i had to pedal hard to accelerate so i think yeah the bigger riders maybe just not it's not an advantage but they definitely have this suit the track potentially better yeah yeah and each square edge i guess rock has got a harder job slowing that person down compared to someone of like troy's stature obviously troy's not not here but yeah yeah yeah, totally Uh, or depending on what way you chop it up you're like you can be less precise with your square edges because you're massive Mm. you know 
you can yeah. you, you don't have to be millimeter to the left of said rock mm-hmm. because said rock is slightly square you can just be on it and it doesn't actually have a huge impact on you so yeah interesting cool big gap right since the last round seven, seven weeks. weeks it'll be seven weeks to when we start racing yeah, yeah. when we start do riding you, do you think that uh, maybe it's beneficial if you had a bad race because it gives you time to go away and work on anything that you felt was was a weakness but if you did do well is it is it kind of almost too long to carry that momentum across do you know what i mean like it's 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 easy to forget something seven weeks ago yes yeah, it's it's a clean slate if you didn't have the race you wanted in lord yeah um if you did have the race you wanted in lord regardless of your category then it's actually the same thing it's just like a mini off season again so why would it be any different yeah why, why would this be harder than lord if you come out and you executed your your plan and your off-season training and your prep with, with the bike and, and whatever else worked out super well and you went to Lourdes and you executed well, you put down the race when you wanted to and you were in the top 10 or 5 or 15 or whatever mm. your goal was, why would this, this shouldn't be any different. Yeah. It's seven weeks. It's a mini off-season again. So I think the only thing that's going to catch people out is those who had setbacks in the seven weeks, which is super like we saw with, with Finn with Tane with yeah with lots of right with Miriam with lots of riders it's 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 seven weeks is a long time to <laughs> it's a long time to train hard and ride bikes and setbacks yeah. do happen you know for yeah. multiple reasons so that's the only kind of thing I'm, I'm thinking of is who's actually coming in yeah carrying a niggle carrying an issue more more so than the the less tangible like oh I've had seven weeks to think about it you know what I mean yeah I, okay. I'm, I'm more concerned about the tangibles like the, did I fall off and hurt my ribs my shoulder yeah 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 you know I've that sort of thing yeah. is like so who do we know of with niggles Finn obviously you mentioned Tani you said so she suffered a concussion from the Vantage Jam Vantage Jam yeah yeah, yeah. she had COVID post Lord which uh-huh. slowed down the the recovery and the the rebuild um, and then got back to training and, and was training pretty consistently and well and starting to feel real real good again. And then, yeah, went to the Vantage Jam and just did the line once, perfect second lap through, just mis- misjudged the jump, cased it. And I think just because of the steepness of the landings, it's just an unforgiving, yeah, an unforgiving kind of case. Just went over the bars and hit her head pretty hard and uh, cut her shoulder, her elbow, her palm, mm-hmm. got pretty beat up. So, yeah. Yeah. But obviously the right decision to, to not be here racing this weekend. So fair play for yeah. take not an easy decision, but the right decision. If yeah. You, but if the, o- the only, the only decision to, to make at this stage. Yeah. yeah so the, like, like a lot of times the concussion, the, the symptoms kind of were delayed. Mm-hmm. So things were not so good and were very good within yeah. 72 hours and then not good again. Okay. So just being cautious, yeah. Yeah, so and you mentioned first. Miriam's had a rough time since because she had a fair head impact, didn't she, in that yeah, last she, practice run? last practice when she hit her head pretty hard and um, was kind of uncertain, pretty uncertain, she said, about racing. Yeah. And then um, after resting, recovering, speaking to the doctor and stuff, she decided to race. And I think she said herself afterwards, it was probably a poor decision to make, but uh-huh. an easy decision to make at the time because you're within three or four hours of racing. So why not type thing? Yeah. You know? um, but then, yeah, after after the race, she said herself that well, in the weeks following the racing, trying to get back to training, any sort of high intensity uh, was causing some pretty intense headaches and, and other symptoms. So it took her a long time. A lot of scans, she said, and a lot of other things. So yeah. I've uh, I've not spoken to her and I've not seen her since. So I don't know the exact ins and outs, but okay. it looks like it was a tough a tough seven weeks. But here here to race, ready to race type of thing. So. Good. Anyone else we know about with niggles issues? Just trying to think who I've seen. I can't. Nothing comes to mind. Nothing comes to mind. Super yeah, clear. But there yeah. will be lots of riders carrying. <laughs> well, yeah, carrying bits and bobs. Oh, I know. For example, like last week, the Red Bull had a 
a downhill performance camp in, in Dovey Bike Park. Yeah, I saw that. Which is cool. First time they've done that. So they brought some, it was Red Bull UK organised it, but they brought, you know, people over from the APC in Austria. Mm-hmm. and um, Which is the Advanced Performance Centre? The Athlete Performance Centre. Athlete Performance Centre, yeah. okay. Um, and had, you know, live timing and all sorts of things. But I think a lot of the riders being this close to a, an intense race week decided that actually it was it was a, a riding week, not a not an official <laughs> timing training week. So, yeah. yeah. So I think you can get a, get the idea that people are people are super keen to get here and do work here because they've had enough time away from yeah enough time away from racing you know chomping at the bit yeah because obviously as we like there's been there's been a couple of Portuguese nationals there's been some US races there's been yeah. there's been quite a lot going on in terms of racing between them and a, a lot of the top riders just didn't show up because actually you need to save those energy <laughs> emotional tokens for. For later in the season, you know, it's going to start backing up pretty quick now. We'll have a couple of weeks between this race to Liu Gang. Yeah, yeah. Crankworks, Lenzerheide, before you know it, you're basically aiming for world champs. Yeah. Like literally before you know it, you're prepping for world champs. Yeah. And the season, like so. yeah, like you say, the season really gets going from this weekend onwards. Do, uh, will there have been riders that maybe took a conscious decision not to be in, I don't know how to phrase it, but like peak physical condition for Lords mm-hmm. and to sort of save themselves to be ramping up now as the real kind of bulk of the season gets underway. And do you think that could impact results here? Maybe riders that didn't shine quite as bright as you'd expect at the first round will be more ready? Yeah, I definitely think people would have been strategic in their preparation and, and said, look, I'm going to start to, you know, peak from this race onwards, yeah. from Fort William onwards and start, and you know, maintain that level throughout the year mm-hmm. as best I can. So that, that, that was definitely a, a thought and a concern for a lot of riders, how, how it'll actually pan out, how people actually planned it, I don't know, but it, it's, it, it was definitely on riders' radars. It was discussed with riders I work with, we definitely okay. discussed it. So it's definitely like when you, when you lay the calendar out like that and you have those, those clear big gaps, like for sure it's, it, it's on people's minds, Yeah, you know, and it may not have a huge impact on, on the exact details of the training, um, you know, the, the, the sport doesn't try and be, it doesn't, it doesn't do scientism like other sports <laughs> or not as much anyway. It doesn't do pretend science where uh-huh. like, I'm, I'm going to peak for this race when actually a, a, a peak is a, is an emotional state, not a physical state probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but it, it was definitely on people's radars in terms of, I don't need to have that level of work capacity to like drag me through the year yeah. for Lord. I, but I definitely need it from Fort William onwards because once Fort okay. William starts, there's no real, there's not much time to, to bank up consistent training. Yeah, You're just yeah. going to get little doses here and there in between. Like give these little windows of opportunity in between the races, which are super important. Mm-hmm. And some of them are long enough. If you don't do crank work, so you don't travel here or there, you might get three weeks or four weeks at a time. You know, yeah. you, you might get 20 days of back-to-back consistent training in which for a lot of riders is, is who have a big, an, an old training age, who've been training for, you know, a decade or more. That's more than enough to really get a good, a good level and maintain a good level. Yeah. So it's just up to yeah riders, coaches, teams to be super smart with your planning and here we go. Yeah, but it's not from here on. It's not forgiving. From here on, if you have an issue, <laughs> yeah, you're in you trouble. You can see like even for well for Tane, for for Miriam, for whoever's had issues between Lord and now, you've had seven weeks. Yeah, and issues are still issues. Yeah, yeah. So if you have an issue now and you've got a week and a half, it's yeah, it's, it's not. It's unforgiving, fixed. unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, it's unforgiving. Yeah, but that's the nature of the sport. Yeah, I guess. that's professional sports. Yeah, sadly, yeah. 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 You mentioned these kind of emotional tokens that riders have to spend, and there's 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 a decision, I guess, for everyone to make. In that, there's a British national here last weekend, mm. um, which offers up the opportunity to come here, put some times in, go through a race weekend, do all that kind of stuff. And quite a few riders 
from the World Cup circuit made the decision to come and it was a very stacked British national compared to uh, a normal field, which is good to see. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Because there were some big names that didn't come, like Loic wasn't here, Finn wasn't here, but then, you know, there were other riders that maybe weren't at the national but came in the weeks prior and put some time in on the track once the gondola was open. Yeah, thoughts, is it is it worth it? I mean, Danny's sort of famously known for coming up and putting in a lot of hours up here ahead of the race, which as yet hasn't paid off with a, a World Cup win here. But, you know, it, it, good, bad, indifferent? What are your thoughts? Um, good if it's planned correctly. Good okay. good, good if it's, if you have a goal, if you have an actual outcome, performance and outcome goals related to it, then absolutely. I think it, it's a pre- relatively particular track. It's it's not it's non-natural most of the way down. Mm-hmm. It's, it's gravelly, hardcore, mixed through the natural granite. It's it's very strange. It's It demands like we said, that round smooth riding style for, for over half of it. Yeah. It's got a lot of pedaling and a lot of kind of flat, strange sections at the bottom. It's got the jumps. So it's a real particular track. It's also the longest on the circuit and the most physical yeah. probably, you know, but it's a toss up between here, Monson and Val de Soli, but it's, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's in there for one of the most physical. So I definitely think coming here is beneficial, mm-hmm. especially if you hadn't been since 2019. Yeah. It's a long gap. Uh, but you just have to be, yeah, all riders and teams have to be mindful that yes, it, it's not the race. The track's going to be different. The taping's going to be different. The atmosphere is going to be different. Everything's going to be different. So you just need to to line up your your ducks for your your BDS or for your your testing camp before the World Cup and shoot them down and, yeah. and leave it at that type thing. You know, just decide what you're trying to achieve, achieve it and leave. Is kind of how I spoke about it to anyone I coach, and it's it's the only way to do it. So I think coming here without a clear focus or a clear aim, and just punching out laps until you get a particular feeling or until you mm. get a particular time, or leaving here despondent because you got smoked at the BDS, yeah, bec- and you don't really know why because you didn't have a plan, then that's that's a ridiculous way to approach it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So as long as people had a plan, stuck to their plan, and you know dealt with reflecting and dealing with the outcomes and feedback or whatever else, then yeah, mm. totally. I'm, I'm all, all for it. And a very good place, I guess, to have your bike set up and feel up to speed quite quickly. Cause it's, it's a track where, well, I mean, they all do, but I'm guessing this track amplifies the, you know, the benefits of a good suspension setup. Cause that, that it's incredibly rough for a vast yeah. majority of the top section and you want to ma- yeah, maintain momentum, like you say, over the top totally. of all of that. Yeah. And I think a lot of the riders I work with, just the feedback was, instantly clear when they, some of them came here you know for a few days before the bds and then did the bds mm-hmm. some of them didn't do the bds or just came for the bds so it was a mixed bag but everyone's feedback was universal in that it has never been this rough okay so it's just got eroded in like a lot of people were like oh we've not been here for three seasons so it might be they might have worked on it but <laughs> from what i understand due to covid restrictions and you know lack of lack of income it's just it's just the money's just not there okay to, to look after that extreme yeah, yeah. it's almost three kilometers of track so um it's just not been maintained. Mm-hmm. And even if you are maintaining it, like what do you do? Because mother nature wins no matter what. Yep. So uh, it's destroyed from what I understand. Uh, okay. So yeah, the, the holes between the holes and between the rocks are bigger and worse than ever. So I think yeah, uh, a forgiving, but supportive suspension setup, you know, is, is critical. So that, that should have probably been one of your goals. If mm-hmm. you came here prior was to get the bike feeling comfortable enough that it maintains speed for free. Yeah. But supportive enough that, you know, you actually held up through the bigger, the bigger hits and the bigger G outs and it minimized fatigue, you know, bottom up fatigue coming from the ground. Yeah. So, cause there's only, an attract like this, there's only so much you can do physically. I think you like, you'll feel your training paying off when you need to put heavy pedal strokes in and maintain your posture and not get bizarre local fatigue in your quads, your glutes, your low back. Yeah. When you get further down the track, 
you know your training's paying off when you don't have those sensations where you feel strong. Yeah. But you can get down to the bottom and actually don't have those sensations, but you're still blown mm-hmm. because you fought the bike the whole way top to bottom. Yeah. And the vibrations and the impacts just just cleaned you out, you know. So you almost have to rest in spots where you should be attacking to get ready to attack for the rest of the pedaling at the bottom. And that's when you just won't win the race. Yeah. So I think, yeah, getting the bike in that sweet spot between compliance and support is it's going to be pretty critical. And obviously wheels, tires, grips. Yeah, yeah. Spoke tensions, <clears throat> the 101 little variations you can do to actually. So I think coming here early for a lot of riders, just getting over the, wow, yeah, the a, shock factor. There's a lot to do. Because yeah, yeah. I, I, there's one rider, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking there's one rider I work with, I think did three days here or two days and then two or two and three, whatever it was. So a lot of riding here. Yeah. And it was only by day four or five that they were like, oh, I kind of now I figure out how not to fatigue myself, but wow. still go fast. How the bike should feel when it does a good job, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. So having, having that experience banked up before you get here is probably pretty, yeah, pretty you, crucial. You'd never squeeze that into a World Cup yeah. schedule, right? There's just not the time to no, get four days worth of laps zero in. time. Yeah. yeah. As soon as there's a setback, if there's a red flag or the lift yeah. stops because of wind. Or a puncture. Or, or you get a puncture yeah. or you do a, ba- like loads of riders did in the Lord, did a, a broken wheel and a puncture back to back. And then the lift was going slow. And before you know it, you had five practice runs before qualies. Which is it's just not enough. Yeah. No matter who you are, it's just not enough. Like fair play. You know, talent talent will shine through when you qualify P thirty instead of P three. Yeah. But like if you don't have uh, you know, that level and you're coming here to try and just qualify, you're coming here to try and slot into mid pack yeah. as an elite male racer or an elite female racer, then yeah, one setback in, in practice and on top of that trying to dial in the bike, then you're not qualifying when you should be. Yeah. Like that. And it's just a bag of questions. But your answers are that actually Fort Williams just a beast. <laughs> it is, yeah. that is for sure. And we probably shouldn't read anything into the results from the BDS, but let's do that anyway. Um, Danny Hart took the win. Um, it's got to be a good confidence boost coming Jordan into Williams. this week. That's, well, that's, 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 that's what you talk about. Yeah, yeah, so junior, junior Jordan, Jordan Williams, Williams, P2 overall. Yeah. That was, was phenomenal. Was an incredible result. And yeah. I don't see any reason that I'm aware of why the conditions would have been any more favourable for him. Uh, the, the only the only big factor was that there was multiple red flags. So the juniors had a red flag as well. Okay. So they went back up. The wind was was hit and miss. Mm, I don't know what okay. the wind was doing, but the wind was yeah. strong. Yeah. Uh, so you could have got lucky. And it's happened previous in World Cups too. In yeah. Sector one, you get a slight tailwind or a slight a slight crosswind diagonal wind which pushes you along yeah. but we don't know so but either way I think it's, it's a full run top to the bottom so yeah. his time was phenomenal yeah. but the elite th- times the elites did get multiple red flags yeah. so I know Reese, for example went back up for his race run it was like you know dropped getting ready to drop in again at almost 6.30pm yeah I was watching the live timing and it was I was like are they actually racing elites like, yeah I, I watched the live timing and it went dead Yeah, and I didn't see some of my riders times come up and I was like I'm getting text messages <laughs> I was just waiting for the messages of the phone calls to come in I've broken my xyz yeah. but didn't happen it was just because of red flags yeah. yeah insane so yeah i think he was jordan was like best best part of nine seconds up on jackson goldson mm-hmm. which yeah just shows how good that performance yeah. was i think i think it's jackson's first time here too so i think he would have been smart about learning. yeah I, it's so particular if you've never been here before i think it's it's a shock of the system a learning experience yeah, yeah. for sure you end up fighting the bike the first one to, to the deer gate anyway that first two minutes yeah you end up just fighting the bike when you're not fully aware of what to do and it just takes time to build up yeah, but yeah I f- i'd love to see honestly like i don't coach danny but i'd almost <laughs> like to see danny win this once before he retires because he's done so well here at so many other races yeah and he's so capable yeah as you can see from the bds result like top to bottom regardless of the style of sex- section or sector whether it's you know nibbly woods with 
funny boggy G outs, yeah. high speed rocks, sprinting, tucking at the bottom. He, like he's capable everywhere. So it'd be good to see him at least be in the fight come because, you know, previous seasons, 2018, 2019, especially, I think he, he won BDSs or was right up there yeah. and one time training and then was kind of just a bit, maybe just a bit lackluster come finals mm. for whatever reason. I don't know why. So it'd be, it'd, I would be really happy to see him right up there fighting for the win on Sunday. It would be cool. It would be nice. Yeah, it'd be really cool. Yeah. yeah. And he'd love it as well. I think everyone would love to see him just it, be be up there. Yeah. It would be a good yeah. result for the crowd. I think everyone sure, would be yeah. happy with that. Although I think Reese winning would also be quite popular around here. Yeah. He's, they, he's been, they've used his image uh, <laughs> yeah. I think with the rainbow stripes, which is a bit, which is a bit, <laughs> as, as the, the, uh, the advertisement and the marketing for the yeah. race. So I, I think he's feeling a little bit of home pressure or inevitable right? expectation is a better word than pressure. I think so. It's up to him whether it's actually pressure or not. Yeah. You know, so Cool. And I think it's going to be in terms of fans and people coming to the pits in terms of industry and media. Well, you're here with your microphones. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be a demanding week for a lot of riders. So yeah. that's going to have to be managed just as much. And that's, that's where, you know, come to the BDS and do your work is probably a benefit because there's no one sticking a microphone in your face at the BDS really. Whereas here it's, I think between launching products and mm. media commitments and having the school kids come on Friday, like they always do and yeah. having so-and-so come on Saturday and having, signings and all that jazz yeah yeah, yeah. I, I remember I, I got text messages and, and emails from um from well from tony at fmd and from others weeks and weeks ago going oh do you think we can fit a signing in here can we do this what's what what should the riders be doing recovery wise here can we squeeze in this and this i'm just like fucking hell <laughs> it's a bit much yeah. yeah for sure so it does that that's the side of it maybe that the fans don't the fans understand it's yeah. just, it's not complicated like it's pretty straightforward but it's it's a it's a demand on your just the emotional load for the rider and you're just smashing that track all week long and then you have to go and smile at so-and-so and yeah, yeah it's a big it's a big week it's gonna be a big week keep sure. people busy for sure yeah. and let's talk a little bit about the women's results from the bds because um nina hoffman seems to have been spending a lot of time in the uk mm. hanging out with steve pete yeah. a lot spending time at revs uh, or revolution bike park um and obviously you know working hard to just keep progressing in the sport and she took a huge win yeah big one huh? seven seconds best part of seven seconds yep on that track who knows you know what everyone's objectives were was everyone pushing etc but seven seconds is a convincing win over people like valley hole michaela who's you know obviously a local knows local, the track yeah. really well like that's it was a it was a pretty stacked women's field as yeah. well, right? And she, I, I'm pretty sure she backed it up qualies finals. Yes, she did all weekend. Some, there, was, yeah. there was live timing for for training as well at yeah. the BDS, so you could kind of sneak in and have a look. And I think she was consistently just the fastest in every section, every sector. Um, but yeah, BDS wouldn't read into it. Um, but it do, I think it just does show that uh, this the, the bigger support structure and just the experience of riding with Steve. Yeah, uh, Steve, especially I've ridden with Steve quite a lot over the years, and no matter what, I never failed to learn something okay. we, we rode down together in lord steve found some track track side yeah uh, on race day that he was like oh, i'll show you this it's 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 really good you know <laughs> and i followed him down and we were both like you know in, in track side dad boots and backpacks yeah. and not really dressed for shredding and steve shreds anyway and i was just every time i ride behind steve i'm like oh that's why you're as have as many world cup wins as you do like i'll never be that good because i'll never be able to do that without being shown how to do it almost yeah, you know what i mean okay yeah without seeing someone else do it. Yeah. And so I think in yeah, that environment for Nina, you know, riding with Steve, being around uh, Jackson, who's probably one of the best bike riders in the world, just mm -hmm. bottom line. Yeah, yeah. Greg Manar, who's the best, the goat yeah. at downhill racing. Steve, who's just got just a wealth of, of experience. He probably doesn't even know he has himself. 
um, just being in that team environment, all of that. So Nina's just, there's no, there's almost no choice but to progress. It's just, you're just going to get dragged. You're not even progressing. You're getting pulled. Yeah. You're just getting pulled. And then you add her hard work on top of that, whatever yeah, she's, she's doing herself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, progression is just without a shadow of a doubt. I know yeah. Valley had a, a tough week in losing baggage and taking a, taking a long time to get used to the track. Mm-hmm. And then that, you know, high pivot session being beneficial in certain elements of Fort William and definitely not, I think, in other okay. other sections. I think a lot of the high pivot bikes will have some drawbacks. It, more in the lower motorway section. Yeah, where it's further about down. And, uh, but, but potentially even in some of the disgusting corners further up where there's not a whole pot of support. Yeah, yeah. You have to create the support through pushing. Like you mm, push okay. into the bike and then the bike grows a little bit. Yeah. And then you're going to you're gonna have to potentially change setup to to maintain the support without losing the compliance, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, I think you know, Danny... Um, the cube team, Max, his teammate who I coached, they were yeah. here for quite a while before the BDS. And I think they really managed to dial the bikes in mm-hmm. to get them to be, you know, versatile everywhere and really work really well. Yeah. Whereas I think, you know, in Valley's case, for example, I think it just, it just probably takes more time on a bike like that. Yeah, that that's yeah. my hunch. I could be okay. wrong. I could yeah. be wrong. Not thought about that. Yeah. But the, the V10, obviously we saw, you know, Jackson had a good result. Laurie had a great result. Nina had a fantastic result. Yeah. Greg has won here, I don't know how many times in a V10, a lot, four times in a V10 probably here, mm-hmm. four or five times in a V10. Yeah, about so that. that platform, I think, is, you know, it's, it's a bike that's going to have minimal weaknesses on this track, so. Yeah, I'd never thought about that side of things. Interesting. Well, let, yeah, let's talk a bit about the track. So we've touched on it quite a bit, but top section, like you say, horrible, unsupported, slippery, it better when it's wet generally. Mm-hmm. The dry, they're pretty horrible, right? Into yep. all the rocks, obviously maintaining speed over that. And then the lower half of the track, everyone, I guess, kind of knows this motorway section, mm-hmm. these huge tabletop jumps that carrying speed through seems to be a real like art here, right? Mm. Yeah, it's like, I think what, for this year, um, you get to the famous deer gate, which is a fence system to keep the the deers on or off, whatever mm. bit of land. From there down, we're going to go back onto the old track this year is what I've heard. Yeah, I heard they changed um, that So up. they've gone back, peel left, not right. Mm-hmm. And they've built up some berms and filled in some holes, but it's super eroded from okay. years and years of, of erosion. And then I heard rumours of a newish wood section or a very old wood section, like the first ever yeah. being reused, which is going to be cool. Just as long as it's not a, a massive bog like 2017, yeah. we'll have lots of protests. <laughs> as long as that. And then you get to the road gap, the Red Bull road gap. Yeah. You land that road gap. And then from there on, you're on these flat super narrow in the beginning mm-hmm. into the woods. There's a couple of natural gaps that do does that wall ride. And then you eventually get your way onto the, the run into the bridge, yeah. hip jump, and then onto the famous motorway. And I think, yeah, there's, there's a blend of the innate ability to know what is or isn't faster for you. Yeah. Which some of the riders do and don't have. And then there's the analysis side of things to know where to tuck, where to sprint, how to do it. And that's going to be, it's be pretty key. And like, it's a big part of the reason why Amory won by such a large margin in 2019 mm-hmm. and why he won in 2018 the margin wasn't as big um was that he well number one he didn't give up he just did not relent from like there was no there was no holding back from yeah. the road gap down uh, but he also nailed the the tactical or the strategic elements of the tactical elements of how to tuck where to tuck where to sprint yeah how to do it so there's definitely some time to be made yeah and he would have done that on the high pivot comment so mm-hmm. not the v5 but yeah he would have done it on the, a high pivot bike as the, well the rawest of yeah the 2018 yeah. win was on like what is essentially an extremely rearward axle pass a yeah. very bike yeah but i think they they weren't as refined back then as a team but i know he ran an eddy current rear tire an e-bike rear tire mm-hmm. at that 2018 race and the yeah the suspension was 
geared towards Fort William and nothing else. Right. You know, in terms of setup, in terms of air shock, air, air front and rear, in terms yeah. of, I don't obviously don't, I have no idea the exact setup, but I know there was a lot of effort put into dialing in a bike to win that race. And yeah. he won it two years in a row. So yeah. It worked. Yeah, so they know what they're doing sure. here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. <laughs> they seem to know what they're doing everywhere to be yeah. fair, but yeah. Yeah. Or they, they get there through perseverance. If they, if, if they don't get there through precision, mm-hmm. as in, oh, this is a solution. You know, if Arthur Quet, the engineer that comes to the race with them, if, if Arthur doesn't have the solution or the mechanics and the riders and Arthur together don't have the precise solution, Perseverance will get them there come race day. Yeah. And then Amory's innate drive to just... Smash it. Put it in fifth and go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hold it wide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What? So how, how do teams, riders approach optimizing that motorway section well we see a lot of people up there with dad cam and timing trying to work stuff out is it is it obvious if you watch people that know what they're doing like how how do you solve that puzzle that's that's a fantastic question because i don't know who i'll, I'll find out if the dads are up there with me for all dad camming <laughs> together um you have to be super organized and precise with your analysis there because you can't just willy-nilly video or time anyone yeah and the photographers hang out there mm-hmm. all of the riders need images yeah all of the riders, the majority of the riders like to look good, so they'll bust out fat whips. So I think you need to, yeah, plan your practice to actually test, tweak and try, mm-hmm. you know, and retest whatever it is you're going to actually do in racing. Um, tailwinds, headwinds, tight kit, baggy kit, rain jacket all week, no rain jacket for racing. Yeah. Oh, there's there's some variables I need is to there, know about. Is so. there a windsock when you come into the motorway? Do you get any heads up on what the no, wind's I, doing? I tried to buy a windsock though before and it, <laughs> it didn't arrive. <laughs> I bought a digital windsock, let's say. A, a, what do you call it? Venometer or whatever you call it? Like oh, okay. yeah, like a, yeah, yeah. It didn't arrive in time, which really, really pissed me off. But um, <laughs> but a, probably a useless piece of tech anyway, because it, the variability is... That that section of the hill is actually pretty calm. Yeah, you're, you're, off, you're, you're kind of in the shadow of yeah. the mountain at that point. You're right? very yeah. sheltered for multiple reasons. Yeah. So if you stand there long enough, you just get eaten alive. Yeah. That's basically it. There's no wind because the midges come out and just get you no matter what the weather is. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, who, whichever team dad has got the most midge bites is probably the one that's uh, it was, sussed it out. Yeah, for sure. I remember I had to take some really strong antihistamine here one year because I got like literally eaten alive, like through the midge nets and everything oh, else. Man. I got to the bottom. They're like, what's wrong with your face? And I was just like <laughs> hockmarked everywhere. Yeah. Oh, they're feisty. I'd, get yeah. the smidge out. That's my smidge. Smidge yeah. seems to work for me anyway, but there you go. Skin's and it's, so soft, and it's yeah. not full of deets. Yeah, you don't want to eat in your life. No, you don't want any of that. I melted life, a raincoat so. with that the first year what? I came in. It actually melted the plastic of the coat. I was like, right, I'm not putting that on my skin ever again. No, the skin's like, you know, it's your biggest organ, isn't it? And I think people people are very, because uh, it doesn't go in your mouth or your ears. <laughs> people are just like, it's fine. But actually, yeah, when you, so even sun cream is mm. pretty, I'm pretty, I'm not, I'm not sold. I'm <laughs> no. not sold. I'm not sold. Fair yeah. enough. I'm not sold. What what about the weather here then? Because we're in Scotland, whatever time of year, it's unpredictable. Yeah, I was in the back of the van last night and heard a lot of rain come down. But equally, by Saturday, it could be bone dry and twenty degrees. Who knows? Like, how do how do riders and teams approach dealing with that unpredictability that Fort William brings? Maybe even more so than a lot of other resorts that we visit through the summer. Just come prepared. I think we we spoke about it last night. We did a brief, you know, kind of pre race briefing after dinner and it was just like you know i asked all the riders did everyone pack all the layers and just being prepared you know having all the layers having multiple versions of the same thing having mm-hmm. multiple rain jackets having roll-offs tear-offs having just literally being prepared is is critical really yeah you know right down to like choosing to eat a big warm stew for lunch as opposed to 
wraps or something light and and you know if you need to like literally being prepared across the board is, is what's going to make life as easy as possible this week yeah you know and just having cause you, you might need umbrellas for sun you might need three umbrellas because you're going to break four <laughs> you know because <laughs> yeah, the yeah. wind is sideways so yeah i think preparation is is literally the, the the king of all else here so team kind of team infrastructure and support may be even more important here than some other rounds because Obviously, if you're a privateer in a easy up in the car park, you're not going to have five umbrellas and six rain jackets yeah, and all that kind of stuff. So. It's tough for sure. Even the privateers here get a different car park usually, yeah, because the the expo area is, is so big here mm. with, with brands and and shops coming up and stuff. So I think yeah, you know, you, you have an extra five hundred meters to ride to and from the lift. You've got midges climbing into your your easy up for you you've got all of those variables so it's it's not an easy week i think if the weather stays stable you know light drizzle and not much else yeah. moderate rain. i think riders are more concerned about wind than anything else here okay because it's because rain by and large helps the track you know the if the rain's bad enough that uh vision becomes an issue it's a bit annoying yeah but you know rain by and large helps the track unless it gets absolutely soaked and gets super slow further down mm. but other than that rain's not too bad it's it's sideways wind especially at the top that really freaks riders out so i think going up for your practice runs prepared with your rain jacket and with everything else both you see it blowing a serious <laughs> hoodie as they say around here and you know you're not sure whether your tires are going to stay in the boardwalks <laughs> that's that's yeah that's the tough stuff to deal with around here yeah. i think so as long as we get a relatively fair not so gnarly week of w- weather we'll be doing well yeah fingers crossed and let's talk briefly before we finish up about marginal gains and uh, i saw the the syndicate team were in the silverstone wind tunnel uh, on their way here for a day of tweaking and checking and looking at i guess aero positions and tuck positions on the bike like how big a deal do you think that is in a place like this just mind games yeah just mind you they just, spent, just 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 rack up the instagram clips and just melt melt brain cells they definitely did push it out pretty hard across all the rider and social channels like yeah, they, funny, were, yeah. they were clearly making sure everyone, everyone knew, knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um no there's definitely there's there's generalities to learn so there's yeah. very clear like this is just how you do it and why because of you know frontal area basically mm-hmm. and then there's obviously going to be specific especially in a team like the syndicate with such a range of Obviously, well, look, when you're talking about aerodynamics in a mountain bike, the, the biggest aerodynamic factor is the rider. Yeah. In terms of size and shape, frontal area, the rider is by far the, the biggest issue, you know, especially with your massive helmet on top of your head. Um, so when you have a range of sizes and shapes like the Syndicate, which is the most drastic range of sizes and shapes of any team, yeah. um, I think it's really clever to get all the riders there to see what's what and how, how it works out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like, like you and I have spoke about multiple times, like free speed, free speed. Why not? Why not get a free half second? Yeah. I think it's so easy to like, to poo poo it and be like, uh, you know, so-and-so lost a race by three and a half seconds, like half second was, didn't make any difference. But if you spend your entire career learning how to gain half seconds or two tenths for free and you can, those free tenths stick with you for the rest of your career, then why not? Like, yeah, it's free, it's free speed. It's, it's crazy to not do it. So yeah. I think um, Tani was in the wind tunnel in, in, in well, with you yeah, yeah. in 2019. Um, 2020, being just, just before COVID. Learned a heap, yeah. learned a heap of general stuff that we still apply to this day. I learned some specific stuff for her. Mm-hmm. Um, Trek factory racing under Marson Whiteley did it. 2011? Well, yeah. 2011. Sounds about right. Yeah. And they, and they, they, they brought the, Trek went hardcore on that. They brought fenders and, deep dish wheels they did the job properly to a point yeah no I, 
hard to know if it's properly, but they, they tried. They had a go. They had yeah. a go. They had a real go at it, yeah. Um, with product that you were never going to race with, basically, deep mm-hmm. dish wheels to just get you killed, I think. Um, <laughs> and then Specialised, Bruni and Specialised have done it. Yeah, like 14, uh, 15. Oh, okay, 16, yeah. I think it was 16. And I'm, I would have had to bet 50 euro. I'd say they've done it since without without it being on social media i'm aware of other teams that have been in that haven't publicized that yeah there yeah. you go uh, so i'm yeah i think and now that you know uh tani's images have been out there syndicate images are out there now i think we'll see more and more people go yeah. that direction and there's, there's a lot of technology out there now that does it through uh computational analysis through algorithms yeah uh, so it puts a couple of sensors on on bike and body uh f- primarily in velodrome setting for for time trials and, mm-hmm. and velodrome uh, track track cycling racing but I think that technology is going to trickle down to the point where maybe we'll be able to to just model model frontal areas yeah. on downhill bikes and actually do all of this out of the wind tunnel in the real world and be like ooh this that is, would be good this is the gains yeah because yeah, so yeah. yeah, there's compromises to doing it in the tunnel right it's not perfect it's not 100% representative you can definitely learn yeah. but it's not the full picture so yeah, yeah, yeah like it just track. you know angle to handlebars forks pitch and yaw yeah all of those factors that can't be represented correctly in the wind tunnel, mm-hmm. but they can be modeled. So I don't know. I know like anytime I see some of the, the images and the data that come out of wind tunnels for any sport, I'm just like, Jesus, <laughs> that's real science. I, yeah. just do, I just do Mickey mouse science. That's the real <laughs> deal. You know, that's mathematics. So yeah. So it's cool. It's good to see. Yeah, yeah it is. So, love to see it. It's love exciting. It. The sport just seems to be getting more yeah. intense across everything. Like you, you yeah. speak to guys in MotoGP or, or F1, and like they've got so many constraints, so yeah. many constraints on what they are and aren't allowed to do. And for, for them now, it's, it's computer modeling is, is the future because mm-hmm. they're not allowed to do anything in the real world anymore. Yeah. The budget caps. Whereas we have nothing. We could literally just like, you could rock up here with every gadget and doohickey <laughs> connected to your face and your bike and no one, give or take, no one bats an eyelid because there's just no rules. Yeah. Really. So yeah, why not? Interesting. One last point before we wrap up. Do you think we'll see Loic's little black box in action through the motorway section? Do you think there's some benefit in a in a different, let's assume it's doing something to the suspension, a different suspension setup through the motorway compared to the rest of the track? That's a long thought. That's a honest answer. I think he, can, he or other riders could win the race with the same advantage or a bigger advantage without it. Okay. Personally. I did some analysis. I, I won't give you the details because mm-hmm. it's too close to racing and I know people listen to these things, which is good. <laughs> um, but I did some analysis, uh, quite a lot of analysis uh, for this race from of, of previous races. And there was a couple of things I noticed in from the road gap down to the flatter sections talked about where you need to start to sprint, where you need to pump, where you need to get your little gaps in your backsides and you need to be really precise in your line because there's hard spots and not soft spots, that sort of thing. And there's a bit of fidgeting, a bit of sitting down, a bit of, let's for want of a better term, a bit of fucking around (laughs) was extremely costly. Okay. So I think if you're, if you're screwing about involves finding the switch on your handlebars or elsewhere, it may be more detrimental than you think. So, yeah, interesting to see. But I know th- those guys are pushing hard and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a, a very usable non-wired version sooner rather than later, mm. you know? Like, why, like you get the, little, get the little switch a lot more neat and a lot less of yeah, twisting yeah. and whatever else, yeah. Is there any so, rule against like GPS location-based changes? Yeah. There is. Yeah, yeah there, there is. There's a general rule in, in the first rule book uh, about 
the bike communicating telemetry is banned. Yeah, yeah. So data acquisition's not. Yeah. Um, and people who call what Loic and the other yeah, riders yeah, run yeah. call it telemetry. It's not telemetry. No, it's not it, sending it, data. It doesn't back. send data yeah. back live, so it's yeah. not telemetry. It's it's data acquisition. Uh, so telemetry is banned. Yeah. And 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 it's been updated because the UCI updated the rulebook. Um. So there's a specific mountain bike rulebook, but there's also rulebook number one, which mm-hmm. covers all all disciplines of cycling, but it's primarily geared towards road cycling, obviously. Yeah. And uh, Homo sapiens brought out. Uh, the blood glucose monitors. So yeah. they took basically wireless diabetes technology and monetized it in true mm-hmm. consumer capitalism fashion. <laughs> uh, monetized it and sold it as a holy grail, yeah. which it's most certainly not for sports performance. But you could then live update that data to your team car and the, the soigneur or the manager or the coach in the car could be like, oh, blood sugars at however many millimoles per per deciliter or whatever way you measure it. Yeah. Uh, so it's time for two gels. Yeah. Uh, so the UCI were pretty quick to be like, and you can also you can connect those those monitors to your to your Garmin or your mm. Wahoo head unit, so that sort of stuff is now they're trying to clamp down as best they can. So that by yeah impact here would mean that yes, you probably could potentially get away with a GPS style if the data was kept within you and the bike though. So if you had like a Lit Pro that communicated with yeah. a, a transducer that, that could I, just I think that for now is still grey enough to be allowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so you could allowed. potentially have something that says mm-hmm. right, I'm at the start of the motorway. Yeah little flight attendant-esque motor yeah, that yeah, goes yeah. and totally. changes your damping. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm assuming we'll see flight attendant, a downhill version of it this week. I'd, I'd guess. Yeah, okay. I'd definitely guess that that, that technology on, on the SRAM riders will be available, whether they yeah. want to use it or not, I don't know. Yeah. I think it'll be available. Downhill so we'll flight see. attendant. Interesting. Mm. Cool. Yeah. I think that that's, give or take, it's the holy grail. Like if you're using GNSS, like not GPS, yeah. you're using like, or a mix of all of the satellites available. Yeah. I think you know the precision is relatively high, especially in Fort William, where there's not many trees. Yeah, and I think you could be quite smart with it. Like you know, you want to start it here, but actually make sure it starts 15 meters, 20 meters further down the hills. So you're yeah, not you're getting caught some out. Risk management yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely possible. Yeah, now how it fits into the rulebook, I'd have to go through the the. Call. I'm pretty sure there, there's team managers. That I know anytime there is electronics on bikes, and say said bike wins the race, and said bike is on the podium because that's the winning bike goes on the podium for yeah. overalls or for race wins. I know all the team managers, all the team managers hang out around the podium and I know everyone's <laughs> got BDIs and cameras out and a lot of people interpret the rules as they wish. So I think if we did have something along those lines, um, there would definitely be questions asked. Interesting you know, so times. Interesting times, yeah. yeah and like awesome. I said, you know, for now the rules are so broad and so non-existent to a point that yeah. almost anything goes. Yeah out of racing and in racing. Um, and I think as soon as we started getting race winners with GPS activated low speed compression or whatever it was, then the rule books would swiftly be getting updated <laughs> until everyone has the technology at least. You know? Oh yeah, so, that's it, isn't it? It's yeah. always the way but it that's goes, also right? the way, Whether yeah, yeah. Across motorsports, obviously where you look for these things as motorsports yeah. been here for, been through all the iterations of crazy technology and they've just basically just shut it down. Yeah. Step by step, they just shut down the mad stuff. Yeah. You know? Cool. There you go. Good times, man. I'm excited for a week of racing. First first World Cup for me since 2019. Not true, yeah. So, yeah, cool. good to be back. Good to be sitting you'll down You'll be surprised chatting. at the intensity, I think, from, yeah. from the first day. It's just going to be on. I'm so, intrigued yeah. to see how it feels out good. on the hill, for sure. Yeah. Nice one. All right, Chris, thanks a lot. Have a good week. Hope all, all right. your riders go well, and we'll uh, see you soon. Fingers crossed. Thank you. Cheers. All right, that's it for this episode with Chris. I really hope you enjoyed it and are as excited as I am for the race. Don't forget to head over to Pinkbike, put in your Fantasy League team and join the Downtime Podcast League to be part of the competition over the season. We'll keep updating on how the league is going on the podcast. A massive thanks to Maxis for supporting the season. 
Maxxis have incredible tyres for you, no matter how or where you ride. So head over to Maxxis.com or visit your local Maxxis dealer and check them out. I'm currently running the DHR Max Terra in the back and the Asagai Max Grip with their new XO Plus casing up front, and they were awesome in the deep dry loam of the Enduro race that I did this past weekend. Well worth checking out. Here's a few other links that might be useful to you. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you don't miss an episode, forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch, and forward slash EP if you'd like a copy of the first issue of our lovely print project, Downtime EP. As always, spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening. That's it for now, and until next time, get out and ride. (laughs) 